We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dell Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. And dude, like I just got done saying, man, the combine has been going yesterday and today. Tight ends are still currently on the field doing their on-field drills as we are currently speaking to you guys. How are you doing? You keeping up with everything? Yeah, I mean, I'm currently watching the tight ends run the gauntlet as we're doing the show and been up and watching every single rep that I can, obviously, with the NFL Network coverage. You don't always get to see every rep, mm-hmm. but I'm, you know, taking my notes, watching what I can, seeing what I can, and, you know, just using the combine as it should be. It's part of the evaluation, and it's mostly about, you know, checking boxes, conf- mm-hmm. confirming what you have, your notes that you have on tape, making sure that everything just adds up, and if something doesn't, Typically, I always go back and take a look at that player, go back and watch a couple more games of theirs and see if I start seeing it and try to just, you know, go from there. Yeah, man, it's it's really an interesting way of going about your scouting process is going back and checking over the tape. These numbers that you're getting, the the athletic testing, um, obviously the the 40, the 40 yard dash, the shuttle drills, um, the vertical, uh, the vertical, vertical jump, the broad jump, stuff like that. That all goes back into watching the tape and confirming those biases. Maybe a guy doesn't necessarily look as explosive on tape as he does within uh, within his athletic testing, going back and, re- and doing those rechecks, or maybe even confirming something. Uh, a guy like, uh, a guy I know you like specifically, Quinion Mitchell, the, the cornerback out of Toledo, explosive athlete, goes out and runs a 4.33 40-yard dash earlier today uh, to lead all cornerbacks in in uh, in terms of speed. That's a, that's a big part of what we use within these combine numbers. Yeah, I mean, the it's always about going back and matching up with what you see on tape. And I mean, just before we went live, we were talking about if there's a tight end who absolutely killed the explosion testing, you know, the vertical and broad jumps, it's where you get the the explosion numbers from, doesn't match up with this tape. And I was just talking about how I'm going to be going back and watching him and seeing where, if that shows up on tape. And then you also have to factor in the fact that a lot of these guys, they'll either add weight, which may hurt their testing, or they'll drop weight, which could help their testing and Mm -hmm. have to try to answer, you know, that's just another problem that 
um, you have to solve. And NFL teams, they have a much easier ability to do that. Uh, I don't have, for me, it's a lot more difficult and I just right. do the best I can with it and just, you know, go through the evaluation as best I can with, you know, the information I have. Yeah. It, and that's, that's one of the hard things is, is not having, you know, the, the, the raw testing numbers. This is where everybody gets together side by side and you can actually look at these players side by side, get their, uh, get their, their height, their weight, their, their arm length, their wingspan, everything that goes into this. You can see them side by side, athletically tested one on one against each other, essentially uh, throughout their position groups. Let's say hello to everybody uh, else in the chat here. We got David McArath, Papa Bear, jumping in here early uh, with a $2 super chat. Good evening, Broncos country. Hashtag Mays or McCarthy. Drake May or uh, JJ McCarthy talking about the quarterbacks here. Um, unfortunately, we're not going to see a Drake May throw at the combine. JJ McCarthy is going to throw. He's not going to test, though. Uh, in terms of the on-field drills here, Eric, I want to kind of break this down a little bit. When you're looking at these on-field drills, how do they translate specifically to, to the quarterback position? So the quarterback position is a little bit more difficult with the drills. You're, you just kind of want, want to make sure that, you know, they're playing with a clean base. You know, the, the foundation is fine. The throwing motion, is it clean and crisp? It's not so much about how far they're throwing it. I mean, obviously you want them to be on target, but it's more about the biomechanics and the the just the techniques and stuff that they have playing the quarterback position that you want to watch more than anything uh, with it. And it's like that with all the positions, really quarterbacks, even more so because just the, the scenario that you're in uh, of being, you know, the underwear Olympics of just making sure that they, they have the clean mechanics. And oftentimes you'll watch them. They'll make a throw. Something may not be, might may not be the cleanest. And so a coach will come up and talk to them. And when they go back out there for the next throw, do they have that corrected or is it improved? You know, how well they take the coaching. That is something uh, that matters a lot. And not only that, are they paying attention? I mean, it's not a quarterback, but there's a corner that in doing, working on my rider, uh, risers and followers for the combine, there's a corner that every time he got out there for the drills, he had to constantly be corrected with what he was doing with where to line up and how to run the drill. Like yeah. he wasn't paying attention as other people were doing it. And that is something that NFL teams will notice. It's something that I noticed. And it's definitely not the biggest of, you know, hits to their stock or anything like that, but it's definitely a negative for them. Yeah. Kathy Schmidt will do jumping in here as well from Cross the Pond with a two euro donation here. Hi, Lance and Eric. Hello, Broncos country. Hello, Kathy. Thank you for joining us here on a wonderful Friday evening. Ron Michael Ronquillo jumping in here. The Ronk as he wants to do every single night here on the Mile High Huddle Podcast Network. Good evening, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers Podcast. Go Broncos. Go Michael. Thank you for your support, as we always want to give you. Naj, our boy Naj Alltop, jumping in here off the top rope with a $20 super chat. Hey, brothers, hope all is well. Just showing some support. Cheers. Thank you, Naj. We definitely definitely appreciate your support it's good to see you in the chat man you should get in here more often come in and, and chop it up with us we always have so much fun hanging out with you at the mile high huddle meet and greet as we've done a couple of different times in the past it's always good to see you here Naj, man we definitely appreciate that we got another one in here as well gary palmer glp again off the top rope with a 20 dollars super chat hi lance and eric stoked to see your guys's evaluations go broncos and go everybody here in the chat thank you all for joining us and showing the wonderful support man eric i want to get back to a little bit of the on-field drills you were talking about a player it's a cornerback specifically this happened earlier today dwight uh, mclaughlin the out of arkansas 
you were talking about just being lined up in the wrong position, man. And something that, like you said, it's not necessarily a huge deal in terms of um, like uh, evaluating his draft stock and, and his ability to um, to play football, but his ability to be coaching. Is that something you're looking at when you, when you go to the combine? Obviously that they, they get these players behind the scenes and do some, uh, some, some whiteboard work and stuff like that, get to know a little bit of their, of their football IQ, the on-field drills, not lining up correctly multiple times. Is that something that is like showing a, a lack of being able to be coached? I don't think it's showing a lack of being, of being unable to get coached because when the coaches were sitting there and would correct him, he just, he would immediately correct it. But I think it shows a thing of that. He just wasn't paying attention, mm-hmm. um, which is why it's a, just a slight knock for him. I mean, it's the guy, Dwight McGlovern and, you know, he's probably the 10th to 15th corner that's going on these drills and every single drill he had to be corrected with where to line up at. Like by that point, Hey, if it was one thing like, Oh, your hand placement has to be in a very specific spot. That's right. one thing, but that wasn't the case here. It was okay. You start on the X and that's where you start the drill at. And he's lining up everywhere, but the X. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a negative. It's something that you pay attention to. It's something that you do not a big hit, but I mean, you're at the combine. You kind of want to be paying attention to the drills that are going before you because you can learn a lot from those drills that can help you have an impressive drill. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, Phil McLaughlin jumping in here with uh, with some stars over on Facebook. Thank you, Phil, for your continued support here for the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Uh, good evening, Lance, Eric, and Deacon Scott. Any player that has really stood out, good or bad, at the combine? Hashtag Buckham. Hashtag MHH for life. Hashtag Broncos for life. Now, Eric, this is kind of how I wanted to go with this conversation. And I know that I'm jumping around all over the place right now, but just bear with me a little bit, guys. But let's let's go back to yesterday a little bit because you and I haven't got a chance to really sit down and talk about this. Yesterday, we got to watch the defensive linemen and the edge defenders and some linebackers go in the position drills. And quite honestly, one of the bigger names that really stood out was Florida State defensive lineman Braden Fisk, man. This dude has shown out at the Senior Bowl, and then he went out and just – dominated in the in the movement and position drills at the combine man what did you think of his performance yeah i mean he's explosive on tape he was explosive at the comp at the senior bowl and he showed the explosiveness during the athletic testing and then watching for me i wanted to see his technique in the drills you can see it on tape and then seeing it you know there in the drills making sure that everything is consistent and clean and yeah i mean he's probably he probably has had the has helped him belt himself the best out of all the prospects so far over these last two days, um, well, with day and three quarters or nine tenths or whatever, since the tight ends are finishing up, um, he's probably been he's probably been the best best of the bunch. I mean, everything was clean, everything was consistent. You know, he was sitting there. He was uh, one thing I noticed yesterday when watching it through is that he was consistently, you know, off to the sideline talking with one of the coaches that are there, one of the scouts. Um, he was talking with other uh, with other defensive linemen, helping them out. You know, just all these things that you look for, even outside of the drills he was doing. He's a guy that, for me, I can't remember exactly where he ended up on my top 100, um, but he's a guy that I'm probably going to be bumping up uh, significantly, probably not to a first round pick, but probably solidifying him somewhere in the in the second round in the top five uh, interior defensive lineman for me. Yeah. It- Quite honestly, it was one of the more impressive performances I think I've seen at the Combine in quite some time, to tell you the truth, because his his athletic tes- testing was great. He let out a big, oh, yeah, after his first 40-yard 40, 40 dash attempt. was. I, I think he ran a 4.67 or something like that. It, 
massive, massive numbers for this guy. He was just incredible. And like you said, the position drills, he did slip a lot. And that's something that I've noted, you and I both have noted um, over the course of the, the first couple of days here. Players are slipping a, a lot all over the field. And with him, every time he did slip, he exploded back up off the ground and got right back into the drill and continued to show that explosive athleticism. So that was something really nice to see from him. Um, another player that really has kind of stood out for the most part is Byron Murphy from Texas. Uh, potential first round, uh, first round pick, a top 20 player on most p uh, players' boards or most people's boards. This guy, again, went out there and just dominated. It looked different with him on the field in those movement drills, man. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, the Muppet is had a great day. I mean, um, he the thing is, he was expected to test out extremely well athletically. Former running back and has just gotten bigger, moved over to the defensive side of the ball. I think to linebacker and then moved down to defensive line. And the athleticism as he's gotten bigger has just been there. Um, you, you know, like with some of these guys, you always are like, always have that concern of, oh, if we add more bulk to their mass or to their frame, will they lose to some of that athleticism? And Murphy, with the way they added it and how he's just grown with it, you know, the athleticism is still there, super explosive. You know, you know, another guy with the clean technique. And it was fun listening to them talk about uh, a knee drop technique that he has to hold up against double yeah. teams. Because mm -hmm. um, that's becoming even more and more popular in the NFL. And the fact that it's something that his defensive line coach has worked with him extensively at to help him hold up at the point of attack 
it's good to hear and it's good to see when you watch his tape anyways how clean and consistent that is yeah man that that knee drop technique that they were talking about was very interesting i'd i'd seen that before but i never actually knew that it was uh, like part of a, a a run defense repertoire it's specifically used to like battle off double teams because it helps you get de- different leverage uh, you get lower lower pad level and then you can explode from that position to try to blow through double teams it's a very interesting technique something that i want to kind of take a deeper dive into in terms of watching out for when i'm watching defensive linemen uh casey nickel coming in here with a five dollar super chat i'm getting too much hope we're getting jj mccarthy please talk me off the ledge um eric you and I, when this process first started, were down on J.J. McCarthy. I'm not necessarily all the way in on him specifically because I think that there's still some issues. He's just so raw, and he he has a good arm, good athleticism, throws with timing, accuracy. The, the, the tools are there. But the more that I'm coming around to it, the more I'm like, you know, J.J. McCarthy might be the quarterback for this team, man. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like with – with JJ McCarthy, with JJ McCarthy, um, he's a guy that has definitely grown on me. The more I watch of him, the the more I mm-hmm. like him. Um, I think he's kind of cemented himself for now. Obviously, we'll see him test, uh, not test tomorrow, but see him throw at the combine, um, and then the pro day we'll probably get the testing, and that might bump him up a little bit. But he's there for me as a mid, you know, first round player, and I think that he's probably going to go top ten. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, there's a chance he can go top five. You know, with four quarter with four quarterbacks in the top five, I don't think we see a fifth quarterback in the first round at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's got depends on a lot depends on what will happen with Justin Fields because Atlanta they've been linked with him quite a bit. Um, uh, the the Giants have been linked with you know going after these quarterbacks. You know, the Patriots, you know, they want to rebuild that the the quarterback room. The Chargers are in a prime position to move down because they need so much help, but they have that quarterback. You know mm-hmm. they can get a couple of those couple extra picks. The Titans, there's been some talk, some chatter that they may not be fully set on going sticking with Will Levis, mm-hmm. uh, and you know bringing in a new, you, you know, new quarterback with the new coaching staff as well. Uh, there, so th- there's a lot of options. Minnesota Vikings, Raiders, Broncos, of course, uh, Saints. A lot of guys that want to get up. So I would not be uh, shocked if you know we see McCarthy go in the top ten. Well, and. Uh- Couple things here. I want to spin this off in a couple different directions. First things first. You said that you don't think that there's going to be a fifth quarterback going in the first round. Um, I brought this up to you a little bit, but I want you to elaborate here for everybody here watching us. In terms of the fifth-year option, we've seen that a couple of years ago with uh, Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens trading back into the first round to go and get him to secure that fifth-year option. For quarterbacks, though, this conversation is starting to change a little bit, man. And you brought up something interesting with the salary cap. Will you elaborate uh, elaborate on that for uh, everybody here watching tonight? Yeah, for me, uh, I always had a high value on getting that fifth-year option for the quarterbacks. But then I was talking with a guy that I uh, – one of my sources in the NFL, and he was bringing up how for quarterbacks, the fifth-year option is kind of a lesser – not necessarily, you know, it's not at the added value that it used to be because it's not as much cost control anymore. Justin Fields' fifth-year option is going to be $25 million. And mm-hmm. here pretty soon, by the time these guys are hitting that fifth year where you have, or that fourth year where you have to pick up the option, you're probably looking at 30 plus million for that fifth-year option. And mm-hmm. so the what he said was that it would be they that his, at least the team that he's with, they feel that it's better for them to get to that point of we need an extension earlier instead of biding more time by using that fifth year option. So we'll take the four years and just do the extension after year three 
and instead of and being able to have a little bit more flexibility with how it's structured instead of having that fifth year option doing it a year later after the fourth year option or even after year three and having a little less you know flexibility with how they can structure that contract yeah and, and see that makes a lot of sense because you, when you look at the quarterback conver- uh, the quarterback conversation in terms of contracts right now i mean uh joe burrow Justin Herbert, uh, guys like Aaron Rodgers, obviously Russell Wilson with his contract that's going to be moved on from, but still um, Dak Prescott, uh, his cap hit for this next season is going to be $59.5 million. You're talking over $50 million. And I I don't remember the exact structure of how the fifth-year option works, but I believe it's the average of the top 10 quarterback salaries is the fifth-year option, depending on if you get um, some performance escalated, something like that. Regardless, that fifth-year option, it's also, like you said. It's also boosted by Pro Bowls, all pros. Right. Yep. It's boosted by all these other things as well. Yeah, it, it, like it, like you said, Justin Fields twenty five and a half, uh, twenty five million dollars or something like that for his fifth year option. So when you when you get moving this forward, you're talking a tail end of the first round, a guy like a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix Jr., where they're twenty five years old coming into the NFL, 24, 25 years old. That fifth year, by the time they get to that fifth year option, they're thirty years old and they haven't even seen their second contract yet. You don't know what they're going to be, and they're going to be pushing thirty-five to forty million dollars by that particular point, based on the, just the salary cap alone. So that's that's a massive investment for you to want to have to trade up mortgage future draft capital or whatever it may be to go up and get a guy like that. So that's a very interesting conversation to bring yeah. to the fold here. And I pulled up the numbers here, and so Justin Fields, we're talking about those escalators. Well, you have an escalator for multiple Pro Bowls, one Pro Bowl, playing time, and then your basic. So yeah. for quarterbacks, I mean, Justin Fields' is fifth-year option is the same as Mac Jones, and it's the same as Trevor Lawrence. Like, So that just adds to this value that quarterbacks have taken a hit for having mm-hmm. that fifth-year option, whereas the basic one, which Zach Wilson and Trey Lance are getting, is $22.5 million. And so this is going to keep going up over the next few years because mm-hmm. quarterback contracts are keep going up because it does deal with the, you know, the averages of these other contracts. Whereas a lot of these other positions, you know, I mean, wide receiver, you're looking at a little over 20, 20 million with multiple pro bowls, but basic that's only 15 million mm-hmm. um, for offensive line. You're looking at, you know, roughly about 20 million uh, Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater sitting there at the top with it, with one pro bowl underneath them being just a little over 19 million. Mm-hmm. We get Patrick Sertan, who has multiple Pro Bowls there. He's at the highest of tier of this, just under $20 million. So when you value in that and the positional value of it, yes, quarterbacks have such a high positional value. But if you, you don't want to get to this point where you're, you know, you're stuck with picking up this, potentially picking up this fifth-year option for a quarterback who you may or may not be unsure on, like imagine if the, you know, the Bears didn't get that the first overall pick from Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine and said both their picks were you know nine and you know in the teens or whatever they're going to be stuck they would be stuck in a hard place with what to do with justin fields who hasn't shown enough to be worth that but they would still need a quarterback so it's the the fifth year option is a you just again it's just a little bit more risky anymore uh with how the you know the price of it is spiking yeah, exactly, man. It like I said, it's it's so interesting to talk about the salary cap and and, and all of that stuff. It, it's really fun, especially with this quarterback uh, this quarterback class this year specifically, because we're at the tail end of the COVID years. We've got a, a bunch of you know fifth year seniors and stuff like that. Obviously, Bo Nix and and Michael Penix, those guys like that. 
regardless, let's get back to the NFL combine here. And Eric, let's go back to the defensive line just a little bit. We talked about the two top performers, obviously, Braden Fisk and um, and Byron Murphy. There's a couple of other guys that I thought really stood out. But I want your two, like the biggest guys that you stood out the most for you in the defensive line group, the uh, interior defensive line group. I mean, overall, I think the interior defensive line group had a uh, very strong showing overall. Um, for his size, I Devondre Sweat, I thought absolutely mm -hmm. did a good job um, with that. I mean, 366 pounds, and he was moving pretty pretty clean for a guy that size. Chris Jenkins, I thought absolutely killed it. You know, we talked about Byron Murphy a little bit uh, and Braden Fisk. I thought Fabian Lovett, Fisk's teammate from Florida State, had a really good showing. Uh, Rook Ororo is out of Clemson is another guy who I think, you know, he really showed that potential yeah, that he has yeah, it's all about developing that. It's all about developing the football side of things. And he showed some improvement there. Um, let's see Makai Wingo. I think, you know, if he was a little bit taller, a little bit longer, we'd probably be talking about him a little bit more or a little bit higher in the draft. He just doesn't have, you know, the modern size that you want anymore with it. Um, I mean, he makes, Byron Murphy and Jerzon Newton look, you know, big essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, so those, those, I mean, there's multiple others. Logan Lee, unfortunately, you know, an Iowa player. He had <laughs> a great Iowa player. Guy. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's easier to pick guys who didn't look good on the interior defensive line than it is just to, you know, talk about the guys who did without naming everybody, basically. Yeah, pretty much. I, I'm right there with you. We got William James Baker here. First time I'm seeing your name on our chat. Thank you for joining us, William. We definitely appreciate your support and stick around a little bit. Hopefully you enjoy what you're viewing here on a wonderful Friday evening. Uh, London Broncos, it's 1.25 a.m. over there. Hope all is uh, good with you guys. Guys, I like the look of uh, Braden Fisk and Murphy at defensive tackle. Do you think the Broncos will get one of the top five defensive tackles or what I like us to do is trade back at 12 and get Nick's the quarterback and a couple of picks backs. What do you think, Eric? Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful, time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. I, I, Nix is obviously an option for the Broncos. I think his fit is fine. I put up some numbers on him and mm -hmm. all, top 12, 12 of the quarterbacks in here. 
uh, 70% of his throws, you know, this is something that I talked about a couple weeks ago, but 70% of his throws were under 10 yards to behind the line of scrimmage. 30% of those were behind at the line of scrimmage or behind it. So high percentage of throws of high, a high percentage of high percentage, you know, completion percentage throws were made, which definitely boosts his numbers a little bit. Um, he, he can work in the Bonex system. I, I think I've seen a lot of people talk about how he's the perfect fit. I don't think he is the perfect fit. I think no. he's a solid one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the issues with, you know, consistently pushing the ball with velocity is a big thing. Yes, he can throw it deep, but he has to have a high arc on it. He can't throw it. You know, there's not always consistent velocity on those throws. And the nose of the ball tends to drop a little bit. So if they could trade back, and pick him up maybe you know maybe they do take him with the late first round pick maybe they trade back and pick up a earlier second round pick or a mid second round pick or move down a couple times whatever the case may be i wouldn't mind nicks at all in the early second round just because again going back to that fifth year option that we talked about a little bit he is one of those guys that i would rather not have that fifth year option on um even though you get to pick it up before year four just with the changes that they've made with the fifth year option itself mm-hmm. and the guarantees with it, yeah, um, just makes me a little hesitant to you know be willing to have that. No, I, I'm with you on that one, and quite honestly, I, I think that the more that I look at it, Byron Murphy might be in one another one of those players that if it's not a quarterback at twelve, that I would probably be more comfortable with the Broncos taking just based on the need and the positional value of having an interior defensive lineman that can crash the pocket and just be a complete disruptor in the passing game. Uh, he's a, a quality run defender up there uh, as a, a, a let's see, a, a two-eye to five technique, quite honestly. He can play pretty much all over the interior of the defensive line. So I, I think his best fit is a, is a three-tech interior nose penetrator, a, a interior pass penetrator, excuse me. Um, but there's another conversation, Eric, I want just quickly here. We got some news earlier today. Uh, Enyoma Awazarike was just had all of his charges dropped for gambling. Um, and and I, I know that that doesn't necessarily come back to the combine, but it is no, no uh, newsworthy for the Broncos because – that's an interior defensive lineman that the Broncos were kind of not really banking on, but hoping that they were going to see some quality development and growth out of uh, this last season. Obviously, it's suspended for the entire year. Uh, I've heard, I know that you have some good things to say about him. What is the outlook for him coming forward this season? Well, I mean, everybody probably who's watched it probably remembers, you know, our heated exchange about Uazurike. And then a couple weeks later, we find out that he was betting on Broncos games that he played in. And my whole thought on him just completely shifted. But that said, throughout this, I've asked, you know, people that I talked to have consistently praised Uwazurike and the progress he was showing, you know, leading up to a suspension in July last year. He can reapply for um, reinstate. He can apply for reinstatement here in July, at the end of July this this year. Um, they get kept. It was con- consistent praise, even after you know the stuff it came out of identity theft, you know, being part of it, betting on Broncos games that he played in, you know, things like that. Even after that stuff came out, they still consistently praised him. And if they weren't going to give him a chance, it would have been so easy for them to be like, oh, no, we're going to be done with him. Like, we just got to wait for him to be reinstated and we're going to be done. And maybe things can change between now and then. And time comes, he gets reinstated and they release him. It happened with one of the guys that was suspended with the Colts when he got reinstated. They kept him around. They were planning on keeping around, and then he gets reinstated, and they decided, well, we like who we have now. We're just going to move on from you. 
that type of situation can play out. Um, so it, it's something to keep an eye on. Maybe he'll get a shot. They were betting on him being a starter last year uh, before he got suspended. It's why they didn't do a whole lot of work on the defensive line room in the first place. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. That, that last point that you just said was the one that I wanted to kind of get to. That, that was a big reason why they didn't do a whole lot of work on the defensive line this last season. And that's why I think that I'm more comfortable with a guy like Byron Murphy at number 12 overall, because he can step in and be a true disruptor as a pass rusher and be a true pair for Zach Allen, who was a one-man show this last season. It doesn't sound like DJ Jones is going to be brought back. It sounds like he's probably going to be released here in the next week or so. So the more that I'm getting comfortable with some of these players at number 12 overall, I think that if it's not a quarterback, I think Olu Fashanu, um, Brock Bowers, and Byron Murphy would be the three players that I would be the most comfortable with the Broncos staying at number 12 overall and selecting if they were to do so. So that was kind of the overarching point that I wanted to get to that. So thank you for elaborating a little bit there on that for me. Uh, let's go to the outside, uh, the, the, uh, the defensive ends and edge rushers, there was a lot of high-end athleticism out there displayed. And obviously the top three guys in this class, Jared Verse, Dallas Turner, Latu, not specifically in that particular order, all really showed out. But man, Dallas Turner, what a performance. Yeah, I mean, he started off with a six foot six wingspan, which is pretty insane. Um, did extremely well in all the testing went out there, did the position drills, absolutely killed it. I've said before, I'm, I'm on record multiple times that I don't think there's a Batman at the edge position in this. I think, you know, I went back and watched a little bit more of him last night. A couple games that I hadn't had access to to watch yet. Finally got was able to get access to that tape. Watch those. Um, I don't think he can be like, you know, that top tier of edge rushers or even that second tier of edge rushers. But I think there's some Batman capabilities to be in that tier three which is still a pretty qual high quality starter and at the edge position and be that leader as, as a pass rusher um, for, for a defense. I mean, it just, everything was clean. It was improved. It was quick. And the biggest one thing too, is like, you want to look for smoothness and how easy it seems, whatever mm -hmm. the drill was, it always felt like seemed like it was easy for him. Like he wasn't mm -hmm. putting a lot of effort into it and it just led to it being very smooth. Um, I think I'm going to have to calculate, you know, the grades and stuff after I add the adjustments for the combine, but I pretty sure this is going to cement him as, you know, my top edge rusher in this class. I'm right there with you. And that this is coming from a huge fan of Laya Tulatu, who also had a tremendous showing at the combine. His movement skills were on display. You just, you see the technical refinement in his lower half. You, you got to see the, the burst and explosion. You got to see, um, the bend that, that was something I didn't necessarily think that he had coming into the combine. Uh, his, uh, his ring drill, they, they run a figure eight, run around the corner, pick up a, a towel, run around the other corner, put it down, pick up another towel, come back around. He ran a, a damn near perfect figure eight around it with great bend, great hand placement. It was very, very fluid, man. But Dallas Turner, when he was out there, it was, it was a different level of movement skills, man. And Jared Verse was was fine too. I thought that he had a really good good showing. But something that you had noted in our chat uh, before we uh, before we finished watching everything last night was there was a very clear tier here. It was tier one, tier two, tier three, and it was easy to see that. We explain a little bit why you why you thought that. I mean, it's 
all about, I mean, we talked about this before, it's all about checking boxes um, and sometimes even answering concerns, making you want to go back to that. Before I continue this, I want to say to William, um, glad you found us. Um, we oh, appreciate hey. you joining us. Um, you're new here. It's, well, that's fine. I, I mean, always got to bring fresh faces in and into the chat as well. So we appreciate you. Glad you found us and everything like that and hope yeah, you enjoyed welcome. the shows. A lot of different personalities on a lot of different shows and, uh, you know, some of us can be uh, what's the right word here? A little uh, polarizing, I guess, would be the word. Um, but we're glad that uh, glad that you joined us. Yeah. So here. going back to it is one thing is that I've started doing more so is tiering prospects instead of flat out rankings. Like just because a guy is, you know, say fifth overall for me, and another guy who's at the same position as seventh overall doesn't mean they're in the same tiers um, necessarily. So with this, I think that. With what we saw from, you know, Chop Robinson, uh, Latu, Verse, Turner, Braswell, Trice, you know, all these top edge rushers that a lot of people kept talking about, they're pretty close together. With what we saw from the drills, what we got from the athletic testing, I and based what we've heard from or what I've picked up from medicals and been reported about the medicals and interviews, it seems that there is a clear top two guys, and that's Turner and Latu. Then you have Verse as a tier two guy. And then you have a group of like three guys who are led by Chop Robinson as that tier three of the edges. And it just seemed to kind of like solidify themselves in these different tiers. Yeah. And Chop Robinson had a, a, another tremendous showing out there. He was fluid. He ran a four, four, nine at 248 pounds or 200 something. I can't remember what he weighed in, but it was, it, it was a good weight for him. And it was a very good 40 for him. Like that was something that, uh, a lot of people were concerned about was that he was going to come in a little bit light and he he checked that box where he came in at the right around the 248 to 255 somewhere around there for a, for an edge defender and then he runs 449 doing so he also jumped out of the building and then was out there just showing freak athleticism in terms of the position drills like chop robinson was another guy that just really stood out one that i i have a different opinion than you on in terms of um I guess not really what he brings to the field, but just his overall build and stuff like that. Something that you you brought up a couple of different times. Muhammad Kamara out of Colorado State comes in uh, 248 pounds, 458 on the 40, and he looked tremendous out there in terms of fluidity, explosiveness in the position drills. What did you think of his performance? I thought he looked really good, but he just kind of confirmed what he is. Okay, um, I've been a lot harsher on on him than I should have been. Very explosive. Um, you know, can uh, uh, fires off the ball, can run around, turn the edge, but can he go through a blocker? You're mm -hmm. not going to, in the NFL, you're not going to be able to go around a guy every single time. And I just don't see it with him, um, which is going to push it down. The production is outstanding. Like, yes, don't get is. me wrong. It's absolutely insane the amount of production that he's had at Colorado State. Um, but it's just production doesn't, you know, always translate to being a good prospect. And I, he's not a bad prospect. I think he's just a very limited one that is going to be a very niche pass rusher in the NFL that can only be used on uh, very obvious passing downs because you do not want him as a blocker. I mean, he at the Shrine game, he was going up against his teammate, I believe, uh, Holker, Dallin Holker, the tight end, who had a pretty mm -hmm. good showing today. Um, and Holker's not a great blocker by any means. And he was just completely bullying Kamara, like it, it was absolutely insane. He, he looked like he was an all-star 
blocking tight end out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, so it was a very rough watch, rough rough watch. And for me, one thing, run defense matters a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if, if you're an edge rusher, if you're an interior defensive lineman, if you're a linebacker, it doesn't matter where you're at on defense. If you have issues against the run, you are going to take a pretty significant hit for me unless you are absolutely phenomenal as a prospect, as a pass rusher, or in coverage. Yeah, that's something that I value a lot as well, that versatility, not only position versatility, but what what do you bring in terms of all three downs, uh, whether offensively or defensively? And I don't disagree with you. Uh, Muhammad Kamara can get pushed around in terms of run defense, and you you see it on his tape. Like you said, twitchy, explosive, bendy, a very productive player in terms of getting after the quarterback. But Again, another one of those players that gets pushed around a lot in terms of run defense. Uh, Eric, let's go to players that uh, kind of disappointed you. I don't want to be like 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 throw anybody under the bus here, but somebody that like didn't meet your expectations or kind of had a poor showing out there this week. Oh man! It, at least on the defensive. Let's go defensive line specifically, not just, not what happened today. Defensive line from yesterday. Um, I wish I still had my notes from yesterday. Um, <laughs> So let me see. You're trying to think of the guys. Brendan Dorless out of Oregon. Yeah, um, as a look at here, he was a guy who was, you know, he's a bit of a tweener, and you were looking for him to kind of confirm if he can play last inside or work on the edge. And instead, all he did was he confirmed that he can do neither. Um, another guy who I actually was pretty high on, McKinley Jackson, very short, stout run defender. Um, doesn't offer a whole lot of juice as a pass rusher. I was hoping to see a little bit more explosion and burst out of him because there are times where you can see it on tape, but he just completely, you know, whiffed doing that. Leonard Taylor out of Miami. I thought he had a really bad showing. Uh, Justin Aboigby out of Alabama. I, he was another guy that I thought was pretty rough overall mm-hmm. um, when watching him uh, and, and the movement skills, particularly very labored movie mover. Um, so for the defensive line, those are the guys that probably stand out the most. Um, LSU had three guys who, um, two of them stood out quite a bit positively. Uh, it's just a matter of teaching to be a football, but at the edge position, um, again, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Um, couple guys that I was looking forward to see that we didn't test or didn't work out there. Nelson Caesar out of Houston, he worked out and everything. He was one that I thought was, was pretty rough consistently out there. Uh, Javante Jean Baptiste out of Notre Dame. It, it was a very rough showing. And with him, I want to add some context to it. I guess Wednesday night he came down with food poisoning that he was battling with, you know, through Thursday morning, yesterday morning. He hadn't eaten anything until noon yesterday, a little bit before the combine, uh, before the workout started. It it was the first time he ate in 24 hours. So the fatigue and and all that that you're dealing Mm -hmm. from after doing dealing with food poisoning definitely set in with him a little bit. He is better on tape. Um, So even though the poor combine performance, knowing that uh, he, he was sick, you know, it, it'll ease his drop a little bit. And then Braylon Trice. I mean, this is a dude who yeah, that's, mm-hmm. there there is no worse decision a prospect can make than getting hurt doing a drill or a thing and trying to or a athletic test and trying to force themselves through it, through the rest of it. And that's what happened with Trice. Mm-hmm. There's a point yeah. early on, I can't remember what drill they were doing. He pulls up and he grabs at his his thigh, and then you see him out there, you know, continuing trying and struggling and it's very Mm -hmm. obvious that he was hurt and trying to force through it and that's just going to put you know some bad drill work out there for nfl teams that 
the drills. I can't remember which general manager it was. And sorry for the long-winded answer here. No, um, one of the general managers was answering a question from Rich Eisen and Daniel Jeremiah today about how they use the drills at the combine. And again, it's about using, you know, technique and all that. But the drill work they do at the combine, if they have two guys with a close grade, the drill work could often be used as a tiebreaker for them, mm-hmm. at least for this general manager's team. And so forcing yourself through it while hurt is definitely going to lead a lead to some bad drill work. Yeah, and, and Braylon Trice, that was the one name that I, I, I was hoping you were going to bring up because he was slipping all over the field. He at The one drill, I, I think it was the, the four-bag drill, he almost looked confused, and he kept kicking his feet around, and it looked like he was just completely uncomfortable. And you could tell that he was in distress when he, when he came off of that. Um, he didn't look great in the in the figure eight drill. He didn't look great um, dropping it when they did the the small little drop in the coverage drill that they had. Um, it, it was one of the the more frustrating showings because I, I think that that's a good football player out there. And to see him have to deal with that and then put that bad tape out there for everybody to watch, it's got to be frustrating for him. It's got to be very disappointing and disappointing for some of these other teams. But something that I do want to give in terms of the positive on that, the silver lining for him. You went out there and you competed. You you were hurt and you were injured and you still went out there and you showed that you were willing to put that, like at least put the effort out there. And that's something that w- teams are going to gravitate towards that. Maybe to, in the later rounds of the draft, this guy wants to put the effort in. He wants to hustle. He wants to work. That might be the only positive thing that you can take away from his performance, but I think that's something good that you can take away from it. David Youngkin jumping in here with a $2 super chat. Just wanted to show some love. Thank you, David, for joining us as you do here every single Friday evening. Uh, Let's see, 40 minutes here. We got just a little bit of time. Eric, uh, brief overview thoughts here on the linebackers. I think that there was three guys that really stood out last night. Um, Edrin Cooper, man, he was great. Dang it. What's uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. was another one that really stood out. And then Peyton Wilson, dude, everything that you knew about Peyton Wilson, watching him on, on, on tape, he confirmed everything that you knew fluid athletic, just incredible twitch and explosiveness, man. What did you think of the linebacker class last night? Well, I mean, I think Jeremiah Trotter was a guy who just proved what he is. Mm -hmm. He is a sideline to sideline downhill player. Don't ask him working coverage because the drills that he did in coverage were awful. Um, Edron Cooper, he cemented himself as one of the top two linebackers in this class. Peyton uh, Wilson, you know, he's number three. And while everything's been positive about his injuries, it's still enough of a concern to keep him there. Yep. Uh, as a number three, number three corner, I think. Um, uh, oh, what's his name? Trevin Wallace out of Kentucky and uh, uh, Tyrese Knight both had great showings. Um, Tyron, Tyron Hopper also had a great thing, great day out of Missouri, but the one I really want to shout out is my, uh, Edufuan Ulo Foshio. Again, I may have butchered that name, but he's an Alaskan, (laughs) um, grew up here. He actually has an answer at the combine talking about one of his first run run run-ins with the moose. Um, going back to last year, I actually, uh, made multiple jokes about how he's linebacker one for this year because he's an Alaskan. Um, I need Broncos need to add more Alaskan blood to 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 their team. Um, Broncos have had a lot of success with Alaskans, by the way. Yes, they have. Uh, yes, they have. Hey, Mark uh, Schlereth. Um, there was another player too back in the '80s or '70s that did pretty well for them. Yep. But anyways, um, he he actually had a great showing too. Uh, showed off 
you know, extreme quickness and fluidity and smoothness, which is something that you wanted to see because when you watch his tape, he doesn't seem as fluid or smooth. Um, so it's something that you gotta gonna have to go back and watch a little bit of him. But uh, yeah, he was uh, born and raised in Anchorage. Um, can't remember what high school he went there. Then transferred to Nevada to a high school to go or moved to Nevada to pers- for, with his family um, at his request, if I remember right to continue pursuing, to actually pursue a football career, um, going to one of the, you know, one of the higher top best high schools there in Nevada. Yeah. George Fox jumping in here. Thanks for your insight into the draft guys. It does help us understand who to keep an eye on Denver Broncos for life. Thank you, George, for the stars over on Facebook. We definitely appreciate your support and stick around a little bit. We have got plenty more draft content where this is coming from. Um, Quickly, before we transition over to what happened earlier today, uh, the guy that I thought was really kind of proved what he was on the uh, on the field, but also kind of boosted his stock just a little bit in his on-field performance, uh, Darius Musa, the linebacker out of UCLA, man. I thought that his movement skills were great. I thought that he did a really good job showing some athleticism, some burst. But the big thing with him was on tape, he's, he's more of a tape player than he is a, a tester. Uh, 4.72, 40-yard dash, uh, didn't really – show like the um the crazy high-end athleticism but his movement skills man i i thought that he had a really nice day out there yesterday uh yeah he the issue with him is he does not fit the mold of a modern linebacker i know he is probably going to be an undrafted for agent who ends up working contributing on special teams he's undersized at this time because the way that nfl teams want their linebackers they want great length they want those long arms and they mm-hmm. want that height. They want them to be six two, six three plus. And so, if you're six foot, six foot one, with short arms, and you don't run fast, that's going to be hard for you to overcome. I mean, I know a lot of fans were uh, mm-hmm. upset about Nakobe Dean falling. Well, he's a guy, and you add in the injury issues he had. As smart as he was, as physical as he was, working downhill, he was short with short arms, and just had an injury had some injury concerns and fell a little bit um obviously you know much better much better prospect than uh uh marisau is but um so yeah he's a guy that he, he just kind of confirmed that he's going to be a special teams linebacker um if he can grow into it who will be undrafted he'll he'll get a shot um somewhere maybe you know maybe a team will take him as seventh round pick to add something something to their special teams unit you know the six and seven round picks are often used for undrafted free agents that you don't think you'll be able to sign or special teams so maybe mm-hmm. he can go there but yeah he just, he just kind of confirmed he, that he is what he is that's unfortunate because i i really like his tape man that dude flies around he's all over the football it, like every single time that a, a ball carrier goes to the ground moose is right there next to him man he, he was a lot of fun <laughs> to watch um let's go to today uh, we got a question earlier about these cornerbacks and some of the high-flying speeds that we got. Um, obviously, Quinn and Mitchell. We got Nate Wiggins running a four-two-nine and then blowing a blowing a hip flexor, from what I understand. Um, multiple players in the four threes. Uh, a handful of players that were sub four five. Uh, four four five. Um, man, this this group is fast and they are athletic and they are very fun to watch out on out there on the field. Man, who stood out to you the most today? I mean, corner. Now, I want. Uh, I Wiggins. want the. I want the one most standout player right now. Oh, uh, from corner, 
Yep. Um, let me see here. I'm putting you on the spot for a reason. Yeah. Um, it'd be very easy to go with one of the guys who ran fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm probably going to go with the. I think I'm going to go with the guy who ran a little bit slower. Um, and it's unfortunate I haven't been able to watch him yet. And my mouth is watering with the thought of getting to watch him going and find a tape of him. Miles Harden out of South Dakota. Ran Damn a four it. five I flat. Oh, I was hoping you weren't going to say his name. He ran a four five flat um, forty, which is fine. I mean, nowadays anything anything under a four six, you're fine with. Four six is the death number nowadays for corners. Um, and I think it was last year, might have been the year before. There was a general manager who talked about how four six is the death number for corners, um, and how anybody who runs been be, runs slower than that their ability to be successful in the NFL is hurt. And there's been only like two corners who've ran slower in the last like 15, 20 years. We've ran slower than four, six, 40 at the combine that have gone on to have, you know, be successful. But anyways, so he ran a good time. It's from what Daniel Jeremiah said, obviously I haven't watched him. So I hadn't been able to go and find out my expectation. It's about where you expected him to be at with it. But man, the technique and the footwork, through the drills was probably the best of all the corners that were there. It, it was, was clean. It was consistent. It was smooth. And he looked a lot faster than he was because of how smooth and fluid he was in his lower half. Mm-hmm. It, it, for a small school kid, this kid's out of South, South Dakota, not South Dakota state, the Jackrabbits that's won back-to-back national championships at the, uh, the FCS level. No, South Dakota. He's built well. He's thick in his lower half. He's got fluid hips. His feet are super clean. He's very well balanced. He's got good ball skills from what we saw. He traces the football in the air very well. Quicker, Good explosiveness from what you could see on those drills. Man, Miles Harden was the one guy that I thought stood out the most specifically. There's a, another a couple of guys that I thought played pretty well today out there in, in terms of performance in the on-field drills. One guy that I like a lot out of TCU, Josh Newton. I thought that his his performance today really kind of boosted his stock, maybe from a, a late day three guy to maybe early day three, fourth, fifth round, fifth round pick. Eric, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I think he kind of – he's another guy who I, I liked when I watched his tape. He's a guy that I'm going to go back and take a look on because he looked a lot better and his mm-hmm. notes from the, that I got from the combine don't fully match up with the notes that I got from his tape. Just going to go watch probably another two, maybe three games of his, see if I can't, you know, see some of the stuff that he showed today um, to put him in to figure out where to place him, um, where he grades out at. So definitely was, you know, a good showing. And anybody who sits there and makes you, as an analyst, as a scout, whatever, makes you want to go back and watch a little bit more of their tape, typically typically is a good thing. Obviously, there's some occasions where it was so bad that uh, mm-hmm. you got to go back and you know try to figure out what it is. But for the most part, it's typically a good thing. Yeah. Who else stood out to you the most today? Um, moving on to moving on to safeties a little bit. Uh, Jalen Carley is out of Missouri. Two hundred twenty-seven pounds, ran a four-five forty. And he's a guy who he's going to move to linebacker. Like I, there's okay. no doubt in my mind he's going to move to linebacker in the NFL. But I think with what he did with the athletic testing, he tested well and everything, especially at his size, his RAS is going to be high, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And then the drills, uh, like keep coming back to it, you know how smooth they look, and you always want to look for 
smoothness in the drills because it means that their technique is clean. You don't want clunkiness because, well, then their technique's not clean. Their footwork's not clean. Um, and he was just very clean with it and smooth and showed really good range mm -hmm. and uh, just stood out consistently every single drill wasn't one of the best ever, or wasn't the best every single time but he's definitely one of the best showers in each one which at 227 pounds to move the way that he did it's definitely you know definitely catches your eye yeah i didn't get to see a whole lot of the uh the safety drills i was making dinner and, and kind of getting prepared for the show a little bit um a couple of things that I did notice with the safety group, uh, Dadrian Taylor Demerson, uh, the USC kid, was just an incredible. He's a fluid mover, um, did really well in the position drills. Uh, Cole Bishop, a, a guy that you and I kind of talked about when the, when those were getting started, uh, you were saying, you know, it it didn't translate on tape for, for you. What did you think of his performance today? Yeah, I mean, Cole Bishop, he's a guy that I figured – Another one of those guys that's probably going to be asked to bulk up a little bit, be kind of this hybrid safety linebacker, just because when he when he watches tape, the farther away from the line of scrimmage he gets, the worse he is. He is not a guy that does well in space. And today, I wasn't expecting him to show good range through the drills, and he did. He, yeah, he ran yeah. well. He ran fast. Uh, four four five, I think forty, uh, which was a really good yep. time for him when we we're coming when we we're coming in, and I was talking to people about it. They were saying we don't think that he breaks four seven, um, so significantly faster time than expected. Um, you know, have to wonder, you know, how much weight did he drop because there's been some chatter that he played closer to about two hundred twenty pounds, came in weighing at like two hundred six, um, two hundred five, something like that. So you have to wonder how much that impacted it, but still, even then, dropping that much weight, running that fast it helped him show more range and everything that could then become his play weight that, Hey, we mm -hmm. don't want you to put this weight back on. We want you to play at this weight because you can do more for our defense at this mm -hmm. weight. So it was, it was a good showing for him. And definitely he's not a guy that despite it, I probably won't go back and watch um, unless, you know, through a couple conversations I come to, you know, get told that I, I need to, but uh, just because of the weight drop aspect to it. Yeah. Uh, Michael Ronquillo jumping in here. Uh, last minute, guys, if you got any other burning questions, throw a super chat in there for us and we'll, we'll definitely get to it. Uh, if not, we're going to wrap up here in just a couple minutes. But Mike jumping in here uh, at the tail end of the show, asking for our thoughts on Clemson cornerback Nate Wiggins, who today um, unfortunately suffered a hip flexor strain. Um, sounds like he's going to be ready to go and do all of the drills for the Clemson Pro Day, according to what he was saying um, through Stacey Dales on NFL Network earlier. 42940, um, hyper-athletic player. Eric, what do you think on Nate Wiggins? He's thin. He's going um, to he's going he, to take a huge hit for my rankings, not because of the injury, not because of anything because at the combine, because he's thin, he's not physical, and he doesn't do defend the run. Like mm -hmm. he, he he will step aside and let a, let the ball carrier go by him. Basically, that's yep. the type of run defense he gets. He is not my type of corner. Um, he is very scheme specific, uh, and definitely have to have hard hitting safeties behind him to make up for his issues, his liability aspect as being a run defender, basically. Yeah. I haven't got a chance to watch Nate Wiggins enough, so I'm going to bow myself out of this conversation, but I do know that he is hyper, hyper, hyper athletic, twitchy, lower half, really long legs. Like you could see that even with him running today, his legs are very long. And that's probably one of the issues that he's going to have at the NFL level. 
Um, and I know that that was something that has been relayed to you and also to me as well, that uh, with just the build that he has, he's probably going to be injury prone at the next level, especially in his lower half. Uh, hamstrings, quads, groin, stuff like that is going to be something you have to watch out for with him. Um, and it, it popped up today, unfortunately. And I don't want to, you know, speak ill of the injured by any stretch of the imagination, but when you have a, a player that has those those risks going into things, it's it's definitely uh, something you need to take it take note of when you're uh, when you're filling out your evaluation of a player. Uh, Ronk jumping back in here again. Uh, great show tonight, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Go Broncos! Thank you, Michael. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, Eric. I got a couple of just little quick ones that I want to throw at you. Um, USC safety Kalen Bullock. This dude, a little thin. But he is rangy, he is athletic, he is fluid. He was one of the big showers today at the safety position. He really caught my eye. I can't wait to go back and take a look at him, man. What do you think of him? And is is he potentially a, an outside player? Can he get a shot at cornerback? Because he's got movement skills for it. Yeah, he's he's probably going to get a shot at, you know, corner, give him a little bit of that, you know, those opportunities during mini camps and OTAs in late May, early June, maybe even into training camp a little bit. Um but the the big knock for me is his tackling. He improved on it this year. There is a, I believe it was from the Tulane Bowl game, um, not this past season, but the season before, where he just completely whiffs a tackle. And it went viral and um, just was just such a bad showing. A lot of missed tackles on his tape. A um, lot of poor mm -hmm. tackle technique. Improved a little bit this year, but it's still a concern going in. Um, he's willing against the run. He's willing to be physical. But he's just got to clean up that technique for it to carry over for him. But yeah, he's probably going to get a shot at corner before he, you know, probably settles at safety in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Duke Rose jumping in here with an all capitals. Is there a tight end that you guys like? Um, we didn't get a chance to really break him down, Eric. I'll give you the just the Cliff Notes version here because I didn't get to watch much of the tight end in terms of the drills and stuff like that. Anybody at tight end that stood out today? Um, with how little that I was able to watch of it, it's definitely difficult. What I did see of it, Ben Sinnott, uh, with his athletic testing, you know, he's one of the he's the tight end that I was mentioned earlier in the show. You know, the being that I'm gonna have to go back and watch because I do not see this explosion, this athletic testing that he had. I do not see it on tape. Um, uh, Jatavian Sanders, he's a guy that he he ran slow, but when you watch his tape, you were expecting a a slow time. He plays he play he's one of those guys that plays faster than he runs. And we always get a couple of them every single year. Um, just the the play speed is is there, but just doesn't test well for whatever reason. Um, AJ Barner didn't run, but he looked good in the drills. Um, Tip Ryman, I mean, he absolutely killed it from every outside of his press conference. He killed it every step of the way. Um, and then uh, Culp out of Washington, um, Devin Culp, I think is his first name. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he's a guy that really stood out. He's kind of a one of those. Um, uh, what's the right term here? Athletic, athletically built, uh, mm -hmm. tight ends that you just kind of want to, you know, bring along as a tight end, um, and uh, see what he can do for you in the next year or two. Yeah, sounds good, man. It's been a lot of fun these last couple of days. You and I have done a lot of watching the combine together, going back and forth and comparing notes. And tonight was just a great way for us to be able to to explain what we've seen to you for uh, for the last couple of days. Eric, it's always a great 
time with you on a Friday evening here for Dove Valley Deep Divers Podcast. Thank you all for joining us here. Uh, we got to give a shout out to everybody who helped us out in the chat. We got uh, Papa Bear, David McArath, uh, Kathy. We got Michael Ronquillo several different times. Naj Altaf out there. Uh, Gary Palmer as well joining us. Phil McLaughlin. We got Casey Nickel in the house. We've got uh, Williams James Baker for the first time in this show. Thank you for joining us, and hopefully you stick around. Hopefully you enjoyed what we brought to you. David Youngkin as well. George Fox for joining us here later towards the end of the show. Thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. For Eric Trickle, I am Lance Sanderson. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend, and as always, go Broncos. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.